Welcome to Back Porch Politics, where no topic is off limits and we always speak our minds. I'm Jason. I'm Phil. And I'm Alex. What is up, gentlemen? It has been a week. How are you all doing? Pretty well. Pretty, good. Pretty well. Yeah, any, uh, any excitement? Any uh, Veterans Day uh, excitement or anything happening in your lives? Well, I'm not a veteran. Uh, I don't know a lot of veterans. Uh, uh, actually, one of my photographers is a veteran, so I, I wish them a happy Veterans Day. But other than that, it's pretty chill. And doing effectively, I've known plenty of military people in practically every branch. <laughs> yeah, oh. me too. Yeah, I've, I've known quite a few military folk. Um, my Veterans Day was totally trashed. I was actually supposed to be seeing you and uh, you, yeah. Phil, in North right. Carolina. And due to circumstances beyond my and in, including some of my control, uh, <laughs> I did not make it there. Um, but... The topic of Veterans Day is a good segue because this week's episode is talking about the military industrial complex. And so, you know, one of the things that's a that's such a big like umbrella term for, you know, government spending and the military uh, concept of, you know, America has to be number one. Uh, so it, it is a it, it is a huge term um, kind of throwing it back to a little bit of what we talked about last week with us having, you know, uh, more than 10 air, aircraft carriers when nobody else has more than one and like more than a dozen attack submarines when no one else has more than one. And, you know, like so an overkill. This, it's overkill in some ways, but, you know, in, Alex, specifically because you have an economics background, what do you think the impact on this, this concept that uh, the military has to, be the greatest u.s military has to be the greatest <laughs> well uh from last episode we found out what we got like 16 percent of gdp is military yeah 16 percent of taxes yeah oh taxes that's right um the economic impact is huge because you have basically 16 percent right of, of the of those taxes whatever that number is getting injected every year into military and this military gets to spend it. You know, it's not it's not like a corporation that works off of profits. It's it spends that money, so that money gets back injected back into into economy. So it's not just money that we spend and waste. It, it gets injected back into the hands of the people, of you know, military people and and the people that they surround themselves with. You know, whether it's like you know, defense contractors. Uh, well, even as basic as you know they go and eat at a restaurant where they live close to or something. You know what I mean? Like just basics is that. So oh, there's yeah, definitely no economic impact. Yeah. Well, you know, so this term, you know, the term military industrial compact, uh, military industrial complex goes all the way back to president Eisenhower. And so obviously things have been, are quite different today. Interestingly enough, in his original speech, he actually uh, referred to it as the war based complex so like he changed it to military but it was originally war-based complex so war I know that was kind of war-based yeah well he was a he was a right remember eisenhower's background he's a five-star general in world war ii so right. for him that was that was his that's all he knew uh was sort of the military war-based concept remember uh phil maybe correct me if i'm wrong but 1800s or into the early 1900s we didn't have a department of defense we had a department of war Right. Or something like that. Yeah, I've, I've heard that before. 
Yeah, so it's interesting that Eisenhower, you know, still referred to it as the as the war complex instead of well. You know, I, I guess you're right. You know, in the shadows of the war that just passed over, you know, that 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 makes total sense. Uh, but to kind of like uh, uh, answer your question about you know economy of it from from standpoint of government that's just a, such an easy way to stimulate economy right like you, ta- you 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 take a chunk of that money that you just taxed people and then you you inject it into military and then military spending just goes through gets injected back into the you know the greater economic system of the United States so 16% is is huge and then that gets uh uh Kind of like what we just said that it's an overkill right so as long as you keep feeding the same idea of you, you got to maintain that that number one position king of the hill type of a deal then i think people will ne- will, will not even question that the, that whole 16 <laughs> percent in fact we were super surprised that it was 16 percent. that all of a sudden it's like it was a relief all of a sudden for that, <laughs> for a moment. Isn't that, you know? isn't that funny? Yeah, I mean, it's still <laughs> trillions of dollars, but like, wow, it's it's less trillions of dollars than we thought, right? Uh, you know what's interesting? Um, you know, I'm looking at a at a map of the U.S. military presence, and it's ridiculous. Like, obviously, North America, we have a military presence in in America and in Canada. We don't have a military presence in Mexico, which is very interesting uh central america a little bit um south america really a little bit but not anywhere like brazil you'd think brazil would be like nothing in brazil nothing in argentina and well, very little gotta, in africa well also you got to consider though these are the uh, these are the uh, the locations that the public knows about yes yeah no i know that there's that there's like you know uh a shipping container with a guy living in it you know kind of situation <laughs> <laughs> in some third world country but i mean it, substantial military dollars going towards bases i guess would be the best way to think you know obviously we have like the bases in guam and in japan and uh, you know and uh, some parts of africa obviously in england and spain and italy but you know definitely not in russia duh <laughs> or in <laughs> china yeah, or Cuba. Actually, we do well, actually, have no, we do, Cuba. We do have Guantanamo yeah, <laughs> in Cuba, uh, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, but it is interesting to see, you know, just from a map perspective, it seems like we're everywhere, but really less than half the globe is covered um, by our troops, our bases, essentially, other than like, you know, clandestine stuff. Or but, You know, nevertheless, it's. It, I think it, if you really do the numbers, or not even the numbers, but look at the map, I think it has become the new uh, empire of the sun where, where sure, the sun sure. never sets. Sun never sets in America. That is true. And it just kind of sort of basing it on that map. It's pretty close to true. Uh, um, I would imagine with, that to be so. Yeah. Yeah. With, with some exception, you know, sort of in the, in the in well, the I mean, area. and that begs the question for me is when we are doing this under the flag of national security, are we in fact putting our, our nation in danger? Of having splayed out ourselves throughout the world and causing, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, there's not. It's an arguable point, but it's a moot point in in the sense that you're you're pretty much provoking the blowback, right? By by just being in the other country militarily in places that yeah, are likely you, resent you. 
Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what? It's interesting. Um, George Kanan, uh, writer of a book called Pathology of Power, uh, said uh, or wrote a preface to the book Pathology of Power. Uh, said, uh, "Were the Soviet Union to sink?" This is written in the in the in the eighties. Uh, "Were the Soviet Union to sink tomorrow under the waters of the ocean, the Amer- the military industrial complex would have to remain substantially unchanged until some other adversary could be invented, because anything else would be unacceptably an unacceptable shock to the American economy." So it's really interesting that this that this guy he was tying so tightly, and we all see it now. You know, thirty years, forty years removed. Uh, that we are so economically dependent on military spending in this country. You know, right. we don't realize it, but 16% of our, of our tax revenue goes to the military, uh, but far more is reinvested in the military, you know, Lockheed and Boeing and all these major military contractors that hire and employ tens of thousands of people, um, it's a it's a self-sustaining uh giant i mean self-sustaining and and hungry like consistently growing. yeah it always you know, needs absolutely. more always needs more yeah 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 that's that's absolutely right you know and the concept i think you know we i have a, a family member who worked um in lockheed uh, for many years and you know we talk about we you know have dinner around the table and while he still can't discuss some things, even though he hasn't been employed there in 30 years, and some stuff that is still completely clandestine that he worked on uh, in, in Lockheed Martin, um, he can say without a doubt that our technology today is so far ahead of every other country on earth that we would all be blown away. And so is the military, sp- and of course, none of us are ever going to know about it until 20 years from now when our 800-year-old president accidentally makes a slip like Ronald Reagan kind of did <laughs> back in the 80s. <laughs> um, that, you know, are we ever going to really know where this money's going? But do we need to know if it's keeping us safe? You know, and, and are, we, are, we, are we okay with giving up a substantial chunk of change to contractors who maybe don't have our best interest at heart in the short term, but in the long term have kept us protected. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, honestly, I think um, you know, while I'm while I am in support of a strong military, um, I think it needs to be focused on strictly defense this uh, this whole thing of you know basically being the world's police like we've been for the last 80 years needs to come to an end it certainly does so i think the reason why it hasn't come to an end is because after after the the cold war was over you know i think us was really drunk on that victory and had just went full throttle right it was there was no opposition after cold war Right, so I think that's kind of like we're yeah, exactly. we're, we're like, at the in the echoes of the, that era. Yeah, exactly. And we we won the Cold War against the uh, against the Soviet Union, but rather than extending the olive branch, instead, you know, we basically expanded NATO right up the uh, right up to their backyard and uh, and continued to ostracize them. And honestly, I don't see a reason why. Well, to, to, to provoke to provoke the enemy to to continue that narrative. Oh, we need military because there's an enemy. I think that's well, the and, only reason. And well, yeah, and make exactly. absolutely no that. mistake that we're not the only country. Right. 
you know, we can say that America is the worst at it as far as spending, you know, dollar for dollar, we spend more that we know of that's reported, but I don't think Russia hates, I honestly don't think Russia hates having a quote unquote adversary in the United States because they get rich off of defense spending too. Yeah. And yeah, so does sure. China, you know, and every country has a reason to have that defense budget because everyone is, is that nemesis of some sort. Right. You know, I was looking. Um, so the uh, the global spending on military expenses in 2018. So it's a few years old, but in 2018 was one point eight two trillion dollars. So one point eight two two trillion dollars. Uh, That's amazing. I mean, one point two trillion. One point eight. One point eight. One point eight trillion dollars could have solved so much problem. What it, it, the, the, what is it, the World Bank or? Whoever um, said to Musk that six billion dollars would solve world poverty, right? Didn't that just like came out and like yeah. press that against uh, Musk and saying, "Hey, you know, six well, billion." They and they we're talking about one point one point eight trillion. That's that. What what six billion is point zero zero six trillion? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but at the same but at the same time, they threw that number out there, but. You know, did they actually point out exactly how? I mean, I think I think Musk shot back at them. Not necessarily that I'm uh, that I'm terribly a fan of his, but uh, he basically shot back. Okay, you know, tell me where to uh, tell me where to send it, and you know, uh, and you know, make sure that we uh, that we have all the uh, all the proper receipts, and I'll do it. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, and that I, I could actually see that. someone someone like him, very specifically, probably Musk. Being like, all right, cool. You guys need a six billion dollars. Fine, I'll take the tax right off. Here's a check. Where do I send it? And there's no answer for that. And that's the hard part because we don't really have. Well, I, I think I think his exactly. his, uh, then, his terms were that he 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 wanted to make sure that this is all transparent, so that all the transactions are transparent. And sure. I don't think there is there is a a system or a platform that provides that transparency. So he's like, sure, I'll do it, but where's that transparency? And yeah, so exactly. far, there's been silence. But my point is that we're talking about 1.8 trillion yeah. versus six billion dollars. That, according to a, a, a reputable organization, I think it's World Health Organization, or one of those, you know, that's saying well, six billion dollars. So we're talking about 0.006 trillion, huh? Reputable, reputable for a given value of reputable. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> arguable <laughs> probably too. Um, but yeah, 1.8 trillion. That's 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 obscene. I mean. It, if, what else does the world spend on in, in in that in that in the volume? I mean, if we're talking about resources, money as resources, we're definitely not not managing and allocating resources right. If we're spending one point eight trillion dollars on on killing each other, <laughs> so uh, uh, the 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 group was uh, the director of the UN. And he said that uh, it could solve uh, forty. It could save forty-two million people's lives from starvation. Holy but, shit! Yeah, forty-two million people's lives with six billion dollars this year. And Elon Musk said he would do it, but he needs transparency. But the interesting thing is um, that one point eight two trillion dollars, thirty-six percent of it was spent by the United States. So like six hundred forty-nine billion of that. Out of 200 countries. <laughs> out, of, out of 200 countries, we spent 30, we're 36%. That's insane. We are what? the We're like the fourth most populous country on the earth? Something like that? Right. <clears throat> so in, in order to um, 
get percentage, I have to divide 6 billion, right? By 1.8 trillion. So no, multiply that... six. I'm terrible at math. Okay, moving on because otherwise, uh, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we're gonna have this. The, you know, we're gonna have dead air. Which uh, long yeah, pause yeah, yeah, while we all break up our calculators. <laughs> Two uh, hours later. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, it's it's such a small share uh, that the other countries in, in relation are spending. However, yes, um, <clears throat> it's still. 16% of our budget. So just to give you an idea, that just should give you an idea of like how much money the US takes in that it's only 16% of our annual budget and it's 30, uh, what is it? I say 36% of the total military spending in the world and it's still only 16% of our budget. So I just did the math. It's, it's 0. 0.003. So it's less than 1%. The six billion dollars that can save what forty three million dollars represents less than one percent of one point eight trillion dollars. Yet they're running to this Musk guy and asking them for six billion. Meanwhile, they can't figure out how to allocate six billion out of one point eight trillion dollar budget. That's crazy. Elon Musk said it's only it's only two percent of his whole net worth to give away that much money, though. <laughs> right. Damn. That's that's like, I mean. Okay, so I don't know y'all are Christians or not, but you know, the Bible says we should be tithing 10% on the on the gross of our income, right? So like yeah. he's that's less than tithing. That's less than what he should be giving every year to the well, church. I doubt he's like, Christian then. <laughs> I, I doubt he's tithing, you know, on 140 billion dollars, but whoever whatever his church was, man, they'd be rich. <laughs> that's a lot of damn money. I mean, good on him if he actually did do it. Uh I just don't Plus, think he'll do it because he's not, he's, he's not going to get what he wants. He's not going to get that transparency. He well, said yeah, exactly. that uh, he, basically, he basically called out the democracy is what he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, says, he says, and quote, sunlight is a wonderful thing. So there you go. That's, <laughs> that's the. Yeah. Well, wow, that's. Um, so, I mean, what, what is the basis, right? So there's this saying, there's a saying that's called, um, I forget, I think it's maybe from the art of war or something like that, of that nature, somewhere from, from uh, it's in that Asian wisdom, right? Yeah. And the saying goes, it's better to be uh, a warrior in the garden than a gardener at war. Um, so I think that's really the basis of what a good military uh ideal should be right like every country should be ready to be attacked and defend itself and we we, we call it defense budget but we all know it's not i mean it's it's very it's very arguable what is defense right like if you say hey they're the enemy then of course and preemptively strike the enemy then that maybe is defense yeah. not defense <laughs> so. i mean well, when you cons when you consider the pretexts for the uh, for the wars that we've uh, that we've been in, I mean, and I'm not even talking just uh, just modern wars, but uh, but even going back, um, but but if you want to start with uh, with modern wars, okay, uh, you know, uh, Iraq War. What uh, what was it that they uh, that they said that what was the reason that they uh, that they which told which us? I which Iraq War? Let's go with the more recent one. The recent one. Okay. Yeah, two thousand three, I guess it was. Yeah, whatever um, they were looking, then there was not. Yeah, there. exactly. You know, they uh, they talked about WMDs, all that sort of thing. But that didn't matter that, at that point anymore. Right? No, they, were, no, they, that, they went in there, they, they bombed the shit out of place, and 
And like, oh, okay, whoopsie. But at the very oh. least, we got rid of the bad guy. And that was the narrative, right? That at the very least, we were wrong, but at the very least, we got rid of the bad guy. <laughs> well, true. But uh, but at the same time, I mean, you know, it, you know, we, we pick and choose our uh, our dictators that we want uh, that we want to get rid of. The uh, the real reason basically had uh, had more to do with uh, with the fact that uh, the Iraq was getting ready to uh, to switch from the petrodollar to the petro euro, and we didn't want to give up that hegemony. I believe it. Same, same thing with uh, Libya. It's all about that Here, petrodollar. Here's the thing. Saddam Hussein, no, no one's going to argue that he was a good guy. Right. No, no, <laughs> one. no, one, no one's going to say that we, oh man, we loved Muammar Gaddafi. No, but, not. but then again, think, also, things have gotten worse since. Right. Uh, that's, the, that's the problem, right? So like we go in, we, we, we take out a dictator that like Muammar or like Saddam, and these guys were puppets, essentially, to the United States. We could say whatever we want, but like Saddam was never gonna was never gonna whip it out and, and whip and shake it around on the world stage. He couldn't because he knew he was gonna get his ass handed to him by the United States. And so instead, he did it to his own people. But that kept Iraq in line. Like it kept it somewhat peaceful. Yeah, terrible, wow. but at least peaceful. Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, since since the whole thing happened with Kobar Towers and Reagan shoved a smart bum up his ass, he was like real quiet about things and then we had to go in there and destabilize the whole thing and now libya is a disaster yeah and i mean they've like, got open slave markets there right like good job like Muammar Gaddafi was a was a horrible human being but we replaced it with worse yeah. well it's also hard to judge from all the way here who is the bad guy and who's the good guy sure that's yeah true. maybe he's a horrible human being but in which context because you're going to install his opposition and in 10 years that opposition that you installed is also a horrible human being because now you know you install a different tribe and he's gonna align his tribe against other people's tribes you know like or 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 you know blood or religion or you know whatever however these people uh, locally regionally divide themselves up and and go at it it's their problem it shouldn't be our problem but i agree we're looking for the problem because we need that trillions of dollar expenditure and to go back to your first question about you know economics, imagine that you are gonna instead of sixteen percent injection into the uh, economy, you're doing it ten percent. So that six percent chunk is huge. So of course you need enemies, and that's the the big problem I think with this whole military industrial complex is that you actually need enemies, even if it's very haphazardly it, it, by picking and choosing random people to who to who to install and who to uh uninstall you know? well i mean think oh, about yeah. well, think about the the war on terror is the most brilliant masterstroke of, of military pr ever right because absolutely. there is no enemy there's just there's right, always going to be there's always going to be some terrorist that we need to it's protect ourselves against it's a book yeah, exactly now, again yeah, not not to minimize what happened in 9-11 or all the other people who have died from global terror all around the world but it's able to, you're able to feed the military industrial complex without having to say okay now we've defeated germany or we've right. won the cold war or we overthrew whatever dictator like now it's just there's nobody and yet there's always there's no somebody. state it, it, the, the whole terrorism does not belong to a state it's a concept and there's no borders for concept right and that means that we can perpetually be on, in a state of readiness yeah exactly perpetual war like uh like oral predicted and yeah. i think that's really one of the reasons why 
we we walked into militarization of police force is that it's like okay yeah it's terrorism yes, of course we, that's we, another we, we want to be safe so it's no wonder that our police now looks like military yeah exactly 1033 program so um you know and maybe we put a pin in the in the police for another day because that is a whole other subject <laughs> um i know phil that's your that's your uh that's the that's the hill that you will die on um but uh you know i think there has to be you know we have to come back to a point of balance where so take the stealth fighter you know we all know the the stealth fighter was sort of the 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 poster child of the first gulf war in the 90s well that started yeah i I was fascinated with that thing as a kid right the little triangle in the sky everybody was like holy crap that thing's amazing well that started development in the 60s wow so That's the f-160 one f-117 one, F1, F1 right? yep f-117 yeah. and it's decommissioned now it's no longer in our military service but that started development in the 60s 68 i think and by the by the late 70s was just being like built and it <laughs> didn't get to show itself to the world until the 90s in the first gulf war so i mean part of where the money is going is this black hole of research and development. I like what your boy Yang says, Alex, about having a technology department because there is an endless supply of ideas uh, on, especially in the military, but in all sorts of, uh, of technology that you can just throw money at the problem. And I think that, you know, in some ways it's a good thing because you know, what has come out of the military industrial complex for us and the space program, even more specifically, has been life-changing technology for the general public. It sure uh, has. So, yeah. so there's but some it's by good means of it. military. But what it's you're saying absolutely. is that it doesn't have to be by means of military. Right. Well, yeah. But so historically speaking, actually, most most technology advances, and I'm going like you know, all the way back, you know, most military or most technological advances began in a um you know when a in a military context and absolutely and eventually filtered its way into the uh into the um civilian world so i mean think, true, think yeah. about think about this in the span in the span of about 40 years so it's not very long i'm only 40 years old so in my lifetime we went from the Fokker triplane that the red baron flew to an f-16 <laughs> right. in 40 years i mean that's 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 like flooring when you think about it like really like fabric covered wooden airplanes that did 70 or 80 miles an hour to things that go two or three times the speed of sound right right what is it and are invisible to radar and like just holy crap in such a short period of time yeah it's like a gap it's a it's exponential but what aliens. happened in that in that period of time was two world aliens. wars <laughs> yeah, aliens. in that period of time was two world wars korea vietnam so four total wars but two of them world wars and we went from a fabric covered biplane or triplane to an f-16 in but what happened was two i mean more wars. more than just f-16 we, we freaking landed people on the moon right landed people on the, well right. that, we went from i mean that. you talk about 
the space program like holy Wait, shit but it's, our- i mean but but it's uh, i'm just saying like we, we not only defeated like the gravity by means of conquering the air we, we went beyond the air went beyond yep. the atmosphere you know that's yeah, exactly. wild that's yeah, exactly. just well, I mean, that- people people tell uh, tell you uh, you know the sky's the limit and all that don't tell me that when there's foot- when there's footsteps on the moon that's the truth and there's not gonna okay. it's not gonna be long before private in- industry puts footsteps on mars Oh yeah, Musk. Yeah. Musk will be the first people. Musk will send the first people to Mars. Sure, it won't well, be America. Yeah. It won't be NASA. It'll be it'll be Musk. It'll be a, a, a person. If, uh, if 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 Bezos I doesn't uh, doesn't uh, bury him in uh, in lawsuits, <laughs> Bezos is too busy flying his penis. <laughs> he, he's gonna be too busy like suing the shit out of people. <laughs> or you know, Musk. I, I have a family member who works in 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 the aerospace in in NASA world. And, you know, the funny thing about talking to them is like, you know, everything in the government is the slow plotting progress, you know, because they're all government. And it's, you say NASA is doing this, but really it's not NASA. NASA doesn't have a, uh, and NASA is not turning any wrenches. They have government contractors that build the products. You know, NASA didn't build the space shuttle. They had contractors build the space shuttle. But there's this slow and steady progress that they're making for the Artemis program to go to the moon. Um, meanwhile, Elon Musk is like, shit, a rocket blew up. All right. How do we make it better? All right, let's try it now. Up it goes up. Shit. It it didn't land properly. Okay. How do we make it better? Like just iterating so fast. And he said, and I was talking to him about it. He says that the stuff that's happening in SpaceX is moving so quickly. Elon is barely taking time to worry about failures and how much they cost at all. So imagine because because all he cares about is the final product and he's maniacal when it comes to to like refining and perfecting a product right. that's why he's gathering now, data to him yep. it's the failure is just another data piece another, another data point like yeah and, but if 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 a if the public entity if nasa had rockets blowing up on launch pads and in on their way up and they weren't landing properly on the on the ships or whatever it would it, it would Congress would defund it. Like Congress would be like, "Well, this right. looks bad. We're going to defund it." It's all about PR, right? When, when right. It's, uh, it's yeah. It's crazy. It's, well, it's no public dollars. How this government thing works? Yeah. yeah no, it's public dollars. At the same time, at the same time, though, you, you know, you you do got to make sure you test the shit out of it because uh, because if uh, if one of your uh, if one of your uh, failures happens to be manned, <laughs> yeah, right. That, well, and, it's always going to be bad PR. And that's why Elon. <laughs> Elon, when they got to the Block 5 Falcon, Falcon 9 Block 5, it's the final version, they said, okay, it's working. It has a, a, a great you know, safety record. We're going to launch it a ton of times without changing it. They did. NASA then certified it for human spaceflight. So there is still checks and balances, but up until that point with cargo, Elon was just sending it up. And if it blew up, sorry about, you know, that sucks. We'll do it again, you know. And he had he had cargo from other companies on his rockets. Like, <laughs> their satellites were blowing up with his Falcon Nine rockets. Right, and, right. But like, oh well. you know, so yeah, he's, I'm sure that they probably got a refund. Yeah, but also I, I, the thing I, is, they're still giving in the business, and they're still giving. The thing the is, business. he's also doing very smartly. He's he's sending his own satellites. Right, he's leading by example. Yep. So I think that's very smart because otherwise, these companies wouldn't trust him. Yeah, Starlink is a brilliant masterstroke again because, like you said, he's putting up all of his own satellites, and yeah. so he's risking it. Just he's risking his biscuit just as much as he's risking everybody else's. Um, but you know, it's interesting that we can do that in a private company like Elon, who has a big dream and wants to make it happen. But if Lockheed tomorrow, Lockheed no longer got military contracts, they just 
stop. Right. It's just all like, military. It's right. It's a private company, right? Supposedly, but it's it's existing solely because of military industrial complex. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think SpaceX is different because SpaceX doesn't they don't. Although it does have have, some contracts, I think, with. Right. They have contracts with the government and they have to work under NASA's flight rules, you know, like getting Mm -hmm. certified for humans and stuff like that. But they're They're existing. They're existing outside of the government contract, whereas like I think Rockwell built the space shuttle and Rockwell basically did what the government said. And that's how they built the space shuttle. Like there there wasn't a Rockwell just going like we're going to build something. And if the government buys it, cool. But that's basically what Elon said is like, I'm going to build this rocket and I'm going to make it cheaper than anybody else can make a rocket. And you're going to come to me because it's cheaper. And it's exactly what happened. Which goes to prove right like yeah. how, how like you, the government budget which is exactly right like 1.8 trillion dollars or you know in uh, 1.8 that's worldwide but that's obviously not the best deal the taxpayer is getting yeah well and that number is on uh technology uh government uh, is on military uh research and development spending that wasn't that wasn't like on humans and stuff like that the, the u.s government actually spends uh, I think the number I said was like $680 billion. The uh-huh. U.S. government spends over a trillion when you roll in like salaries and retirements and all that other stuff. This was just oh. on R&D, essentially. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, which is... Well, even in R&D or technology. Uh, I mean, even with Lockheed as an example, I'm sure Lockheed Martin, because the the contract, you know, the money coming in was... I wouldn't say like endless, right? But they're, they would, look, they're not- It's done. pretty they're close. Like, it's pretty close, exactly. So it's like, why would I sell you this pen for the market price when I can say, hey, this pen costs $100, right? And because you're government, because you're giving me money, you'd be like, oh, okay, it's a $100 pen. Well, yeah, because it's not their money that they're, uh, that they're giving away, it's ours. All right, so exactly. F-35, this is sort of like, everybody knows the, the Joint Strike Fighter F-35. They were talking yeah, about I- this, this plane go ahead phil yeah actually i think the uh, the last time uh last time i was out in uh, norfolk virginia i think i actually uh, seen one fly overhead oh that's awesome i've not seen a joint an f-35 fly but anyway at least, at least i jo- think it was <clears throat> joint strike fighter uh is a lockheed airplane um they lockheed built the f-22 raptor and then one and then immediately after thereafter won the contract for the joint strike fighter it was a an open competition between them and I think it was McDonald Douglas and Lockheed won. And it was supposedly that the F-35 was going to be like the replacement of the F-16. It was going to be the multi-role, all weather, all three services. So it was supposed to be a lot cheaper because they were going to, everybody was going to buy it. So it was supposed to be the, you know, uh, <laughs> economy of scale airplane. Well, the, the joint strike fighter is eight years behind schedule and 165 billion dollars over budget i believe it i believe it and that's you know you say like there's it's nearly limitless it is really nearly limitless right and and i mean i think the reason why it's over budget is because everybody's selling that this pen for 100 bucks so they <laughs> uh <laughs> they just recently april 2021 upgraded they upgraded the Joint Strike Fighter cockpit and computer RAM, like the memory, and spent, and on just that, just upgrading the like the the <laughs> cockpit and the and the computer memory for all the J, the Joint Strike Fighters was four hundred and forty four million dollars over budget. 
It's a half a billion dollar cost overrun. Oops. Oh, wow. Just a cockpit and RAM. So I, I, I just want to kind of piggyback on this whole airplane story that you're providing as far as like exuberant spending and creating this state-of-the-art machine, right, that, that conquers the sky. So the, it, it's a very different philosophy to constructing an air, like a war airplane of such uh, similar uh, nature, I suppose, right? Sukhoi, which is the, the Russian equivalent of Lockheed, yep. I suppose, uh, it creates, uh, it just created the Su-35 or 37 or something, or, yep. oh, no, a Su-50 or one of those, I don't remember. But the point I'm trying to make 57, is, I think it is. 57. Um, they, they design their planes very differently. So I don't remember where I've read this from, but they juxtaposed how the F-16 is kind of like the Rolex, right? Like it's, it's pristine, it's very, it's a Rolex. In a sense, it's not fragile in a sense that it's not, it's not uh, um, durable, but it's fragile in the sense that, you know, the pavement needs to be very uh, even, you know, so that it can take off very well and all that. Uh, the intake, so so the air, the environment has to be clean uh, for the F-16. But with, with Sukhoi, they're like, well, if you're in war and the airfield is not very even, our airplane needs to land. If there is debris everywhere, we need to make sure that so it's, it's very like bare minimum. If you ever like compare the cockpit of uh, uh, US uh, and the, the Russian uh, jet fighters, it's night and day. They're, the Russian oh, yeah. jet fighter is like, uh, it's, it's, it's BS in there, you know? But well, it goes beyond just that though. Um, but, but the thing is like, it's, it's, it's cost effective, right? And right. it's as effective and sometimes in some degree superior. And you don't need all this fluff. You don't need your pilot to yeah. feel like you're in the Ferrari. You really don't. You're, exactly. he, he, he's, he's in and out. And you know what I mean? The last thing you want, you want him to do is it's like to be so comfortable, he starts falling asleep, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's just it. It's more than, uh, it's more than just, uh, just that. This, uh, this, this different in, uh, difference in philosophies, I mean, goes even just, uh, just to your regular infantry rifles and whatnot. I mean, you know, the, uh, the M16. Yeah, that the U.S. military baby, uh, or uh, um, that the U.S. military um, design uh -huh. has to basically be babied, right? Otherwise, the damn thing keeps jamming up and all that sort of thing. And meanwhile, the uh, the AK-47 that everyone knows, you know, the Russians designed, <laughs> and there's a reason everyone loves to use the AK because uh, because I mean, you can you can throw that one in the uh, in the in the you know through the mud and everything, and that baby's still going to keep on going. Yep, that's yeah, the philosophy. The Kalashnikov is a pretty durable weapon. Well, I mean, yeah, like exactly. war is dirty, is dirty, right? Like, why build something yeah. that's going to break just because of yeah. the, something gets in there? You know? Exactly. There's a reason. There's a reason everybody loves to use AKs, but nobody bothers. Uh, nobody. Well, nobody but us bothers with, uh, right. with M16. And, and and perhaps that's kind of the, the the problem with saying, hey, you know, we're number one, right? Like, if, if we're going to build the best jet fighter, if we're Lockheed then yeah, it's going to cost a trillion dollars. What did you say? 600 billion? That's almost like a trillion. Yeah. I'm sure by the end of the end, what they're eight years behind. So they're, they're behind. So they're still not finished. Right. So they just upgraded half a billion dollar upgrade. So by the time all said and done, it might as well could be, you know, uh, a trillion dollars. 
but so the, the, to, to, to so upkeep that idea of of being number one and the best that's very expensive it's 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 that it's that marginal cost that keeps on growing if you you, you go just one mile further and you have to pay you know 300 percent further so they're sure I mean, getting very sense. getting very into the weeds um there are only four operational fifth generation jet fighters anywhere on the planet the u.s has two the f-22 and the f-35 Russia has the Su-57, and China's got the Chengdu J-20. Uh, so what I heard is basically uh, designed around stolen uh, stolen designs. Probably. It's uh, yeah, probably sure. partly an F-22 and partly an F-35. <laughs> and, and some Russian also. And some I'm Russian sure it's, it's like a, yeah, like a Russian shine, engine. you know. Yeah, so, so, Alex, just out of curiosity, or... Yeah, I'm sure you could probably answer this too, but uh, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned specifically that uh, that that Russian fighter, or whatever the uh, that it was huh. Sukhoi that uh, that was the uh, um, the company, I guess that uh, the manufacturer was. Yeah. Well, so who is it? Uh, who is it that builds uh, that builds Nigs? That's Mik- uh, Mikhailovich. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's two... I'm, I'm actually surprised you even you even know that. <laughs> who me? Yeah. I'm a major airplane buff. Yeah, that's yeah, why. Nice. I, that's why I knew Jay would be able to answer. That. <laughs> I actually, I actually spent the weekend hanging out with a MiG-21 and a MiG-17. So, oh what? Yeah, this On man Saturday. hates to fly, like but for some reason MiGs, loves huh? airplanes. <laughs> love airplanes. I hate to yeah. fly, but I love airplanes. <laughs> it's true. I used to be obsessed yeah. with uh, with uh, the games, you know, like uh, airplane games, like fighter games. I, I used yeah. to have like what F thirty five game, F twenty, no F, Raptor, F twenty two. I think F twenty two Raptor. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I remember that in game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, I used to play um, uh, what was it, uh, Top Gun two on my uh, my Nintendo. <laughs> so that was there too. So I was at the Tico Warbird Air Museum in Merritt Island, and they have a really awesome collection of. Uh, world war one through today uh fighter planes and and bombers and stuff and i was having this conversation a little bit with a gentleman who owns a Fokker d7 triplane from world war one he was sitting in front of it and we were chit-chatting he worked for nasa and he flies a Fokker d7 and it was really neat because directly next to the Fokker d7 triplane was an f-14 tomcat oh so like the the cutting edge technology from germany and world war one the red baron flew that plane right next to an f-14 <laughs> tomcat and you it, it's just so interesting to see like this evolution really? I, thought, I was under the impression that all the, that uh, that once the f-14 got decommissioned that they were all destroyed uh the uh the wing box was destroyed so they could never fly again uh because iran purchased a ton yeah. of them uh but it can still be a museum piece it just huh. can't fly it's they they like severed the structural component that held the wings together like for every airplane Every F-14, there will never be an F-14 Whoa. that flies uh, huh. unless unless someone invests in uh, uh, like a backwards engineers the plane basically back to flying hmm. situation. But yeah, they, they use a special welder, uh, some sort of gem welder uh, to put the put the pieces together so that it was super strong and super flexible uh, in the F-14. And when uh, in the in the 1970s, we sold a ton of F-14s to Iran, who at the time was our ally. <laughs> and then <laughs> they're no longer our ally. So See, what happens of- when you? <laughs> That's exactly it. So, you have to fight your own weapons. So then we we ended up when we decommissioned the F-14s. We even in the boneyards, we cut the wings on every single F-14 so they can't fly. 
Wow, that's then again, I mean, hey, look, uh, you know, uh, look at the Taliban. They've got a bunch of our weapons, too, now. Yeah. Yeah. And and also at one time they were our ally and no longer are. That's true. Uh, Or what about that truck from Texas? You know, like all those Toyota trucks. And then there was that truck with uh, some landscaper guy from Texas or something. You know, they're they're getting like secondhand trucks from United States. And some of them have uh, decals from like workplaces and stuff. (laughs) So you got this landscaper from Texas and Taliban. You know? <laughs> or, uh, what, awesome. what, what was the uh, what was the meme I uh, I'd seen? Uh, um, you know, something about the you know, the Taliban looking up on, on Google. Uh, you know, five at uh, five p.m. How to fly a uh, uh, how to fly an Apache <laughs> helicopter. Five ten p.m. How to repair an Apache helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, interesting. I'm reading an article um, about the Suhoi 57 and, and the fifth generation fighters that are out right now, and the the consensus is that the that the Suhoi is the cheapest, uh, but is the least stealthy. And so, like you said, Alex, like yeah, we have the Cadillac here in America, but we're paying for it. So there's oh, yeah. there's always gonna you know yeah there is a uh, there no matter what you get what you pay for. There's a there's a. <laughs> there's a <laughs> there's a there's there's just a I, I guess we're just used to having the best of the best that's right it's an overkill so well, one of the things that really, my takeaway from uh getting a business education in in uh public school uh i guess it's a public university um my biggest takeaway is like the capitalism capitalism is just like one giant 7-eleven it's a convenience store so the whole waste thing is written in in the whole convenience of it, right? You're gonna to go to a 7-Eleven, you're not gonna find a good deal. You're gonna you know, find a small little shampoo bottle that's twice the the cost of what you'd find in, in, in you know, Walmart or Target, but essentially you're paying for that convenience, right? So that Cadillac of uh, F35 or F whatever, that's the convenience, that this convenience of security, convenience of being that number one. And we are definitely paying for it. But then again, it's like, is that is that return on investment really sound? Is that the best way to spend our resources? And I, I don't think so. Fairly, no, because I think honestly, they could they could build the, I mean, like literally molecule from molecule, they could probably build the damn plane exactly the same and it'd be cheaper, except for that because it's taxpayer money, they don't have the incentive to um, right. to, to be more efficient with their money. Exactly. They're just pocketing that money. Yeah. Uh, well, why not? Yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's how the world works, you know. Yep. Because the thing is, like, it's it's, it's, it's you know, you, you can blame the people, but it's also you know the situations that these people find themselves in, you know. So, like, the argument is sometimes is like, you know, we can look back and think of like, how could people of Germany be so gullible to follow Hitler, for example, right? But they were just simply put in that position. Yeah. And they just simply did what they did, not because they're bad people, but they were just put in that position. So I think people in, uh, that, that go through school, science school, becoming an engineer, and all of a sudden, 20, 30 years later, your CEO of Lockheed Martin pocketing all that cash, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's it's really the the structure that we have built. And I, I, I honestly don't know if we can if we can wiggle ourselves out of that structure. Because even if you're gonna f- begin fighting the system, 
I think you're going to find yourself so into the system while you're fighting the system that the system will eat you up and you're somehow going to find yourself again in the position where you'll... you become the thing you're fighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, what's exactly, the old yeah. saying? You can't fight City Hall. I mean, that's that applies here for you know, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Although, that's, uh, that's I mean, a good saying. <laughs> you know, of course, then again, you do get the the um, the uh, Marvin Hemeyer's of the of the world that uh, that do attempt to, and uh, that's uh, that, that's a story from for another story for now. another day. Yeah. Wait, who is so, this? Who is this? Marvin Hemeyer. What was the story? Just give me a, synops- a short synopsis. <laughs> a a okay, teaser um, trailer, Phil. Okay, basically, basically the dude uh, had um, had a dispute with the uh, with City Hall because they essentially destroyed his business. And so, and is, he built- is this in Palm Coast or where is this? No, no, no. This was uh, I don't even remember exactly where. Some, okay, um, so it's a famous story of some sort. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's well, there's a Wikipedia page on him and everything, but uh, but anyways, the dude basically. Uh, um, basically built this concrete structure or whatnot that he placed on top of um, that he placed on uh, on top of a um, of a bulldozer, um, and yeah, I mean he had cameras uh, installed on it and everything, so be able to see where he was going with this thing. And I mean, but he basically he basically sealed himself in. This was going to be literally his last uh, last stand. It was it was impossible, <laughs> literally impossible to escape. And then he just went on a rampage through town, just you know, I mean, you know, literally barging through uh through all kinds of buildings of uh of, of um you know government establishments that he uh or, or oh. even businesses that uh, that he thought wronged him oh this, that's this that's is the... not a, an endorsement of uh of his maneuver no no so no this no. is kind of like not, going I'm postal essentially uh, yeah. what's that the, the guy went postal yeah basically um <laughs> but uh but no i mean it's it's not it's not an endorsement but at the same time you know, certain situations definitely do breed the Marvin Hemeyers of this world. Well, you know, so so going back to, you know, we're talking about Iran, they were an ally, now they're an enemy. And, and all these countries that were, well, the Taliban were an ally, now they're an enemy. Um, and we replaced Saddam Hussein and it didn't get better. And we replaced Muammar Gaddafi and it didn't get better. And the question I think that we have to ask ourselves is, you know, if people want to be free, they gonna rise up on their own, yeah, mm-hmm. and right. Because we have, were, yeah, and they <laughs> right. and they have to be they have to be left to rise up on their own, right? And, right, yeah. and it's you know, and it's going to be a matter of you know what what do you know what do they want? You know what what's what's the what's want to take? Because um, you know when when you look at at all these you know all our communists fighting crusades throughout the twentieth century, you know uh, we you know basically uh, the the domino um you know the uh, the idea was uh, was that uh, you know yeah you know anytime this country or that country uh um uh you know decided that they uh, that they wanted to go communist you know our our thought was oh the russians must be behind it and, you know almost as if uh, you know once uh, once lenin read marx he burned all the uh, all the copies and uh, and it was always just uh, it was always the russians behind it you know you know r- r- rather than you know Rather than the idea that uh, that somebody can uh, that somebody in, in these other places can pick up Marx and read it themselves, yep. yeah, yeah, si- simultaneous thought. Well, and uh, Marx didn't actually think his theories would work in the end anyway, so it's interesting. Well, he was <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he was he was right about um, that anyway. <laughs> but he also didn't think that capitalism will is a long term thing either. No. Yeah. 
yeah and i and i think i think in both respects he's probably right um well, depends i mean yeah you i just know, think that it, 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 it needs to be a healthy mixture because if you're uh, if you're talking about uh, about capitalism as it is now, honestly, what we have isn't capitalism. Right. No, I, I know, I know, I agree with right. you, Phil. But I don't think, you know, capitalism's ultimate goal is to serve itself, and that's that's really not much different. I mean, it, the end result is different than communism, but in yeah, the what end, we have you're now still going to have a ruling class and a subservient class because capitalists are never going to write checks. Like, ultimately, the people that have all the cheese, they don't give the cheese away. <laughs> they just give right. some away just so that that like nobody comes after the and, big piece <laughs> and without and without a regulator they will give as little cheese away as humanly possible sure that's why well, the free markets well, in china actually, are a disaster because china's quote-unquote free markets aren't free really not much different than here and yeah. their people are getting paid nothing yeah exactly but also at the, but also at the same time i mean um I remember hearing about uh, hearing a story from uh, from somebody that lived over in China for a while, and uh, he went back to uh, he went back to New York City once, and he and he realized that uh, you know the uh, the cities that uh, that he had been to in China, you know everything was uh, was new and fresh and all that stuff, whereas New York, you know, it was old and you know had you know just had this aged feel to it. Yeah, what, he, think... what he failed to uh, what he failed to take into account though is New York got old because it was able to get old. China mm. is uh, you know has to keep on refreshing itself because uh, because the yeah, the quality of uh, of the construction. I mean, um, it's it's terrible. I believe yeah, that. You know, these places keep these places keep falling apart. It's uh, they, they 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 go under. Um, I think the term uh, the, the term they use is uh, tofu drag construction. Tofu. Yeah, tofu dreg construction. Basically, <laughs> uh, basically, yeah, it was based on the idea of you know the uh, the the dregs that uh, that you that you spoon up after uh, after you're done cooking your tofu. Um, <laughs> and this is this is literally someone from China that came up with this uh, with this term, but that's what they uh, what they call the uh, the construction over there. That's uh, that's so poor quality. That's hilarious. Yeah, I believe that. Just, I mean, based on my experience, even like living in Russia, it's like the yeah the the attention to quality was never uh i think it's it's more about like practicality where as far as like the you know my experience in 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 russia but i guess like with china phil you're kind of right like you, you just have to keep up with that facade <laughs> just so you just build thing well they have like ghost cities in there yeah the yeah. ghost cities in china are interesting yeah, yeah so well, it's like was... what was that all about basically uh, basically a uh a, a um real estate pyramid scheme because uh, because about the only thing that uh, that they're allowed to uh, invest in is real estate. Mm. So you, you, it's pretty much just like uh, keep buying real estate. Hopefully, somebody moves in. But yeah, exactly. Moves I mean, the, ma the majority of the majority of home purchases at this point in China are second and third homes. They're not yeah. first time buyers. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah. So they must have more homes than their population. That's a lot of homes in that case. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, so what do you guys think about that Red uh, Red Sea situation? I mean, we're talking about China. So is China a threat? I'm just curious to uh, militarily wise, because I mean, I, I honestly don't think so. I don't think so. I, I don't think that they would. I don't think they're going to piss on that apple cart, to be honest. I just don't. I don't think that they're going to 
they're going to shake their sabers and they're going to act real big and tough and they're going to try and scare things, but I don't think yeah, they're actually going to go to war. But, but do you think they're going to be in, their, more... in their case where we're there, Boogie Man? Well, I mean, it's, it's their neighborhood, right? Like that whole sea is their neighborhood. Uh, what's the, what's the, um, I'm just trying to understand because we were in the beginning, we were talking about how we're all spread out, but right. Can you imagine like China being sprayed out or Russia being sprayed out, like f- visiting Cuba and, and just doing like military exercises in Cuba? You know what I mean? Like that's they, that's, they did. And we blockaded them. Yeah. Like in the sixties, right? Like with, yep. with Kennedy, uh, I forget what that line was. Cuba, like latitude Cuba missile crisis or something. Yeah. yeah. Cuba missile crisis um, stuff. But yeah, it's kind of like, you can't even fathom how there could be like, a different nation with with different fleet floating off the coast of California, policing you, the U.S. military, make, trying to make sure that the U.S. Navy doesn't go too far deep into Baja Mexico or something. That's the equivalent. Yeah, and and it's it's very interesting that that is very hard to perceive, you know. Yet here we are discussing. Hey, do you like? What do you think about? China and the and the what is it the Red Sea? It's their backyard. So I just I, I'm in the, I'm in the position of bewilderment as a person who is like, why is it even our 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 concern? So I'm just being genuine about asking that question. Like, is it is it should it be our concern? Is it a concern, or is there am I missing something, or is it just basically a cock waving? It's like, hey, our cock is bigger than yours. Basically, cock waving. I think honestly because. Uh... China has too many internal problems right now to even consider the idea of uh, of being, you know, of yeah, they're not going to be actual, up. yeah. No, and and the reality is is that we have shown, like him or hate him, Trump stood up to China, really for the first time in I don't know decades, and it caused some issues with us with the trade wars, but it also showed China that we're willing to stand up to them. With, sanction, with sanctions and they know that if they attacked taiwan or did something stupid we would sanction them to death they attacking taiwan even if even if nobody came to taiwan's aid attacking taiwan would be a foolish move on their part i mean okay yeah. granted yeah taiwan would probably ultimately lose but it would yeah. be it would be a pyrrhic victory for um for, uh, for china though it's it's just it would never i don't think it would they're going to saber rattle and hope things work out for them for the best but they're not going to go to war i think the most ideal uh, scenario would be out of this whole COVID thing and how you know trump stood up to china is that this would lead us to have our own supply chain here in the united states i think we're, we're so dependent technologically on china china has become that yeah. The, the sweatshop of, of the world. Including our pharmaceuticals, which is... Yeah. And pharmaceuticals. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, and, and that, uh, Steve, there's a, I can't find it anymore, but there's this brilliant video on YouTube somewhere where, where like it's a Steve Jobs at some conference and he, he gets asked the question, why is it cheaper to hire you know, Chinese labor and, and create these machines in China. Machines, I mean, you know, like Mac, Macs and uh, yeah, iPhones and, and such. That, yeah. And he said, look, there's nothing cheaper. There's nothing cheap. 
there's nothing cheap about Chinese labor. The reason why he goes there to the Chinese labor is because the labor market is, is highly educated. There's, there, there, there's no people in the United States that can, they can do a job as efficient as they can. And it just shows so much about our inability to, to it's, it's again, it's that misuse of resources, right? We're, we're spending billions and billions of dollars uh, waving our flag saying we're, uh, we're fighting for national security, yet we're not, we don't really care about national security apparently because none of our population is as educated enough to provide that vital service to build iPhones right here in the United States we are forced to go and find more qualified yeah. people in China. There isn't even there isn't even a manufacturing infrastructure that could build iPhones in the United States. Exactly. Right exactly. No, there's not there's no anyway. plant. No, not. So then, not what kind of national years. security are we really talking about? It's a farce. It's yeah. a farce. Yeah. So that's uh, my that's my thought <laughs> on the on this topic. Uh, the Chinese GDP over the last thirty years has grown an average of thirteen point two percent. And that right there tells you all you need to know. I mean, we're the U.S. economy is growing uh, about four four and a half percent on average. It's pretty it's average for us. Um, but it is over the but, last thirty years. But China is doing it at thirteen and a half, thirteen point two percent. So I mean, I mean some will tell of, you that it's inflated that is, or something. It, yeah, it's a house of cards, honestly. It, yeah, it, it is, and it's not because I mean, there's no way that the amount of business that's happening in China isn't increasing their economy. And that's happened in the last 30 years. When I moved to Florida in, in 1992, 93, like you walked into Sam's club and, or, or Walmart, you remember this, Phil, there would be signs that said, we buy American whenever we can. Like that was, that was a big thing in Walmart. Well, that shit doesn't hang up anymore. And now it's a, (laughs) it's a big deal when there's a product that was made in America because nothing is made in America anymore. It's all made there. Well, well, yeah, because well, well, a lot of it was because they were uh, was because at one time it was cheaper, so they did ship it all over there, and then uh, you know rather than shipping it back, I mean, uh, you know, eventually it got more it got more expensive to uh, to you know to do the uh, to do everything in China, Um, you know, but does that mean that they're going to bring it all back here? No, instead they're going to go to even cheaper places like uh, like Vietnam and uh, and Sri Lanka and well maybe not Sri Lanka but uh, you know like. uh, Cambodia and all, you know, yeah, and all right. those, you know, Southeastern Asia. Well, I think, I, well, what I'm trying to say is that I think with this whole COVID thing and what we're seeing now with supply chain that's happening now, I hope that really inspires. Well, I think it's a, it's a force, right? It's a it's an economic and market force what's happening now. And this force is not going to just sit there. It's going to go somewhere. And I think that's going to change things up. And I, it's my hope that we're going to start seeing manufacturing that is equivalent to you know what's what we see in China we need to see it here and if we're gonna if we're, if we're gonna talk about national security right we're talking about military industrial complex uh, we, we have to kind of like look at the big picture of what this national security looks like you know it, it can't be just all guns and muscles it's it has to be brains it has to be health so healthy yeah. people and and people that are, that are as well, smart as but... as as your neighbor at least yeah. as smart but, as your neighbor yeah, exactly. and that's not what's happening here I don't think and no. I think that's the number one no. threat to our national security. So I think our military job, uh, our military is doing a pretty poor uh, job at kind of creating that 
uh, security because I, right. I, I feel yeah. like it's putting us in danger, if anything, because all of oh, our absolutely. resources are getting mismanaged, put into different uh, areas that are not needed <laughs> and the areas that are needed go ignored. So that's well, my and, final point. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with us having a presence overseas. What I have a problem with is that that is in turn forsaking national defense closer to home, like education, like healthcare. Those are problems that I think we, since the pandemic especially, should be all both looking at as national security issues. When the supply chain goes down because China's not exporting, the country grinds to a halt. When people are homesick because they can't get treatment, the country grinds to a halt. These are things that are national security issues that we are not addressing while we are still okay parking $100 billion warships off of some foreign country and, <laughs> yeah. and, and practicing war games. And it just doesn't make sense anymore in a global, in a global economy where we are so tied to other countries' exports that if they decide to not like us today, we stopped functioning. That's a problem. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and then you know, going back to the uh, to the education thing. I mean, you can throw all the money you want at education, though. But if you're not actually educating, I mean, if you're throwing your money into into education programs that are going to be, you know, focusing on critical race theory rather than uh, than reading, writing, and uh, you know, and STEM uh, STEM subjects and whatnot, then you know, again, that's just wasting money. Education, a topic for another day. Putting a oh pin boy. in that one—that's <laughs> a good one. I have a lot of thoughts on education. All right, uh, so Alex, you've given us your final thoughts. Phil, if you would give us your wrap-up thought, or have you given yours your final thought, Alex? Yeah, I mean, the final thought is, uh, you know, if military industrial complex is responsible for national security, I think it's doing a terrible job for the reasons I listed, you know, the it's 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 not just keeping people safe from from enemy who can physically attack us and take uh, our, our safety, quote unquote, away. It's it's, it's a slow degradation of, of, of uh, education and health that yeah. will ultimately leave your your country very vulnerable to uh, environmental forces, you know, even evolutionary forces of other neighboring countries evolving. Meanwhile, you're stagnant if, if, if you know, at best, stagnant at best. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think we're, we're, while protecting national security, we're, we're leaving a huge gap, like back door open to, to other things that we do not put into the umbrella of military industrial complex that is supposedly supposed to keep us safe. So while militarily it is keeping us safe, other things that are being uh, ignored uh, uh, are kind of like nullifying this whole thing, right? So if it's like in 200 years, United States is just, you know, an idiot country, then why, why we've spent so much effort and resources defending it today? So that's that would be the worst thing that could happen is that we, we have this exuberant budget, exuberant military, but everything else is falling apart. That would yeah. be the saddest part. I agree. Phil, your final thoughts. My final thoughts is um, basically that, uh, you know, we need to consolidate. We need a strong military, but we need to stop, you know, policing the world. Um, 
you know we need to we, you know when when uh, when they uh, when they give us the uh, the the whole propaganda of support the troops you know uh, what they're really saying is support the wars whereas what well, if you really want to support the troops bring them home take care of them and uh, and you know prepare them to uh, to to uh, defend the country but uh, you know but don't go uh, don't go getting uh, getting aggressive overseas when uh, when there's no real need to do so mm. So I have two, two quotes um, ending this uh, for me. Uh, one is by von Clausewitz. Um, he says, war is a continuation of politics by other means. Hmm. Um, Pretty clever. And then my favorite, it's a response to that quote from one of my very favorite <laughs> movies. Uh, the purpose of war is to serve a political end, but the true nature of war is to serve itself. And I think that that may sum it up best in that really this is all about uh, self-serving, you know, start a war to spend money, to start a war to spend money. And it really only serves itself. So, yeah, that's, it's pretty wise insight for sure. Yep. Yep. So anyway, this has been Back Porch Politics, everyone. We appreciate you tuning in and tune in next week at the same time for another fantastic episode. Have a, fantastic day.